Hi, this is Mrs. Arundel. Hi, this is Miss Tompkins, and we just wanted to introduce the FPA Positivity Podcast. So with mental health being a really hot topic at the moment, um, we've had different celebrities talk about their mental health, like Meghan Markle, and obviously um, other celebrities, like Caroline Flack, who sadly lost their lives um, to mental health. Um, It's really important that we open up some conversations because it's one in four adults will experience mental health condition at some point in their lives. And the new statistic from the NHS is Gone, gone down from one in nine young people to one in six young people and obviously the pandemic's had a really uh, big impact on this so um, you know with increased anxiety and depression. Um, in terms of um, at Fir Park itself we as teachers see evidence of mental health in students every day we see it in behaviours we see it in conversations we have and um, we as teachers also struggle with our own mental health and um, we've definitely me and Mrs. Randall and, and lots of other staff members have chatted about this a lot and we really wanted to raise awareness of that. Um, we wanted to be open about mental health um, and make sure we're always reducing that stigma, having, having open, honest conversations and encouraging you guys to as well. So with the aim to improve those um, honest conversations, and we've decided to do Firth Part Positivity Podcast so that we can explore some different themes around the topic of mental health. So we're hoping to include some students, some staff and external experiences um, and advice from mental health professionals in our podcast going forwards. Um, So today's episode, we would like to explore the question, how are you? So the reason we've picked how are you as our first episode theme is because it's a question that's asked every single day, multiple times a day. I know my, I, I myself ask it all the time, but in, in the UK particularly, we've, we've come accustomed to it as quite a greeting. So it's how are you kind of passed through the corridor, said really flippantly um, a lot, but I'm not sure we fully understand the meaning of that question. Yeah, I totally agree. The number of times I say it in a day whilst walking past someone. Um, I think even sometimes we don't even hear the answer, do we? We we go through the door and we're like, oh, they've not really answered. But it's just it's just a saying. It doesn't really mean anything sometimes. So yeah, really important that we think about this question and about how we can use it to positively, you know, ask people actually, how are you? Um, Yeah, so I think it's just really important that we're giving an honest answer. I think the reason why we we want to start with this question is just the fact that it is a really big opportunity for us every single day to check in with our mental health, an opportunity that's not always used or utilised. Because we are saying it to each other, we're really used to saying it to each other, but we're not necessarily answering it honestly. And we're not necessarily willing to um, kind of accept the answer or listen to the answer. I know I asked my friend the other day over WhatsApp, and she said, I'm, I'm really not in a good place. And I, I genuinely, for a minute, didn't know what to do with that because I'm just so used to people saying, I'm fine, I'm okay. I'm so used to saying, I'm fine, I'm okay. And there's been times in my life where I'm, you know, I've been in the middle of a panic attack or I'm really struggling and I've gone, yeah, I'm fine. And, and that's not always the case. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's one of those, it's one of those questions that there's, there's certain people that you will maybe answer honestly to. So there'd be certain people that you'd be happy to, you know, say, oh, I'm, I'm not fine to, but there might be others that you don't feel as comfortable to. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think the same, really. I think it, in an ideal world, we would love to be honest with everyone. But I think, especially for me, like people who I have maybe weak relationships or no relationship with or no friendship with, then I might be like, um, I'm not really right now, but I I don't want to talk about it. Um, I think that's fine to say as well. Like I, I've got a lot of students that will come to me and say, not really, miss, but I don't want to talk about it. And I think as long as you've got the opportunity and the open space and someone somewhere is offering you that, a lot of the time I will say, can is there someone in school or at home or somewhere yeah. in your life that you have the opportunity to talk to? Because as, as soon as you've got someone, then that's okay. But it's, if you've got no one where the problem lies, what would you think? Yeah, I think so. I think answering, asking the question it is okay, but um, just not, not feeling that pressure to maybe tell everyone how you're feeling, but, but having that person, like you said. And I, I totally agree. I think we want to encourage our students to speak to their parents and carers or a staff member in school that they trust. Um, and that's what we encourage our staff to do as well. And our parents and carers, actually. You know, if, if, if parents and carers at our school want, want advice or want to speak to someone at school, um, you know, we'd be really open to that, definitely. Um, but I suppose thinking about the question is great, then thinking, are we, are we prepared to listen or are we equipped to listen? Yeah, I think kind of adding on to that, I really struggle sometimes to talk to people I know about stuff that's going on because I feel like they're too close to me. I feel like sometimes I'm burdening them maybe or they're just out in the right frame of mind. So please don't forget there is always anonymous people you can speak to. You know, we've got counselling and there's lots of different facilities for that. There's things like Cooth, which is an instant counselling service or through Instant Messenger. There's um, counselling facilities you can reach through, access through your doctor, your GP. Um, you know, there's um, staff in school that you can signpost to, so you might not necessarily know them staff, but that sometimes helps not knowing people because then you don't feel like you're kind of confusing or muddying the relationship you have with that person. Um, so there are always loads of people you can talk to. And again, friends, family, teachers, people at home. I, I always say to my students, like, my door is always open. Like, I'm, I'm not always going to be everyone's go-to member of staff, and we're all very aware of that as teachers and you know, we'd, we'd be there all day if we were. So, like, please find the person that you feel comfortable speaking to and they don't necessarily need to be someone that directly teaches you or is directly your parent or anything like that. Please find someone you're comfortable with, I think, is the message. Yeah, definitely. And I think when what really hit home for me was do you feel like you might be burdening someone by talking to them about it? Because I think from my own personal experience that's what I felt and you think do you know if am I am I moaning if I say this but actually no you know you're being honest and and it's it's quite a brave thing to do and it's hard to do but actually as soon as you talk to someone you do feel like a weight is off your shoulders I think even just sharing that and I think maybe that comes on to what we were thinking about as well do we always have time to you know acknowledge them if they do want to talk um so I don't know if you should we talk about that next yeah, and I just to add to that, I think, yeah. like, the, the phrase that's always bounced around, and I know it's a bit of an eye roll, but, like, a problem shared is a problem half, and yeah. there really is that, like, every time I've kind of gone, God, like, this is too much now, or I'm struggling with this, or, like, I'm not in a good place, then actually it's, as soon as I've said it out loud, even though that's been a really scary thing to do, like, everyone's been so much more supportive than I thought they would be, and I felt lighter for it. And actually what you'll find is if you say to your friends, like, or people around you, I'm really struggling, someone might go, 
God, I'm really struggling too. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to talk about. Yeah, and that, that really brings to mind, as particularly, you know, with looking at statistics with, with um, boys and young men, um, finding mental health really affecting them, um, especially into sort of young adulthood and thinking about that. Um, yeah, I think one, one more thing about um, thinking about time as well is if you, you know, if you stop a member of staff in school um, and they've asked you, you know, how are you? And you, you're like, actually, I'm not, I'm not okay. I want to say I'm not okay, but, you know, they, they look like they're rushing somewhere. I can't, you know, I can't possibly say, you know, then. Or if you're even a staff member on your way to somewhere and thinking I'm, I'm in a rush to this lesson because I've got to move from this question to another and I don't want to be late. You know, that's sometimes that gets in our way of, of having those conversations, doesn't it? And I think one of the things I learned recently from um, a course that I went on was it doesn't always take, you know, a long time to share. It could be like 10 seconds even. Actually, I'm not okay. Can I come and speak to you about it later? And that instant of, right, I've told someone, oh, okay, that instant kind of getting something off your chest can help even just in that moment. So I think that would be something for us to think about. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, like, for me, like, I I sometimes really struggle to talk about things. And sometimes you, I might say, like, oh, can I talk to you, you later? And then it's like the cat's got my tongue when I go, go to talk about it. And that's absolutely fine, too. Like, we know stuff. We know that it's really difficult to talk about things. We find it really difficult to talk about things as staff. So let alone you guys as students or parents or anything. So even if you say, like, can I come talk to you later miss like there's some students that do that and then just go can I organize your cupboard and that will be helpful for them and they haven't talked about anything in particular but they just stayed with me for half an hour an hour or whatever and and done something like that and that's absolutely fine like we know that you're not always going to have the kind of words or language we don't always have the words or language yeah. to express um but just know that we are always here and that please try and make time for each other make time for your friends make time for each other and but also be honest um, and, and talk about it because at the end of the day it does save lives yeah it's that that analogy isn't it when you you're like a, a bottle and you put things in the bottle and each every sort of worry or concern or anxious thought or whatever goes in that bottle and and if that gets full eventually that will burst open at some point and actually if you can empty that bottle by talking or by doing something um that that's a big help to improving your mental health and well-being because it is that's part of life isn't it we have to deal with ups and downs and and everybody has to experience those things so um it's good to share them so i guess what we want to discuss is coping strategies because i think um for me and mr rundle's perspective like it is such a minefield out there with coping strategies yeah, everyone is different <laughs> Um, but I think I watched a, the Roman Kemp documentary um, a while ago that's on BBC that's really good. Um, and he said about, especially between his male mates, asking twice, or asking how are you twice, which seems like such a silly kind of flippant thing. But um, especially for male, we know the male suicide rates are super high. It's the biggest killer of men under 45, unfortunately. And I think just asking your mate twice um yeah. Or saying, are you sure? Like, how are you? I'm fine. Are you sure? You don't look fine. Are you sure? You seem tired. Are you sure? You don't seem yourself. I yeah. think that's really important. And um, I'm always here. I think it's just a big, it's kind of a general offer. 
like okay but I am always here what do you think miss yeah I think by by being that by asking those sorts of questions as well you're showing that other person that whenever they feel ready to talk to you you're there like you said I'm always here and that you might be removing the potential for that person to feel embarrassed because on the outside we can say there's nothing to be embarrassed about it's perfectly normal one in four adults experience mental health condition but at the same time when it's you and you're trying you know you're admitting that there may be a level of embarrassment um and so to know that you're that by speaking to your friend or whoever it is you're, you you know that you're going to get a positive supportive response is important isn't it yeah, definitely. And I think it's just about being honest with each other. And I think we've both learned the hard way, like yeah. being honest amongst your friends, being honest, like um, to teachers, to adults, to whoever you are, whatever role you're in, kind of but just being honest. And, and that's not to say that you have to make a Facebook status about your mental health. It's it's even if you pick one, two people that you can be truly honest with, even if you write it down, like writing is one of my coping strategies. Like I write stuff down if it all just feels a bit too much. Um, or I might write to certain people. I will never send the letters, but I might write to certain people if that feels like something I want to get off my chest but don't necessarily want to affect them with it. Um, or journaling is another really good one. Yeah. How about you, Miss? Yeah, one of the – so I, I've had some counselling previously, and one of the strategies that my counsellor, who I really love, she's amazing, I'm, I'm still in contact with, um, she gave me this idea of just getting a pen, putting it to paper, and just – the only rule was you had to constantly write. So even if you just carried on writing, I don't know what to write, I don't know what to write, <laughs> over and over again, like eventually, and what I found was really amazing, like eventually you do write things that, it's just a different way of getting things out, I suppose. Um, so I found that really, a really good thing to do. Um, but like you said at the start, everybody's different. And so what works for, you know, like yoga really works for me. Um, just because I'm getting some movement, I'm getting some exercise, I've got, you know, I feel like I've achieved something at the end of it. I feel like I'm, my body's getting stronger. I feel really relaxed. That might really work for me, but might not work for someone else. So I think it's about finding what works for you. Um, and when I was talking about that bottle earlier, that bottle filling up, the things that empty that bottle are the coping mechanisms, aren't they? And if we don't make time for those, then they're just going to be forgotten, I think. I think we spend a lot of time as staff. We put a lot of time into planning lessons, which is obviously what we need to do. It's our job. Brilliant. We spend a lot of time, um, you know, checking emails, doing lots of things. But do we ever put time aside as well on top of that to look after ourselves and have some self-care? So I think it's about having that balance. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm someone who's really struggled with mental health recently and I, I especially during the pandemic and I think um similar to Mr Randall I've had some really positive experience um with counselling in the past um, and in the present and I I think some really good coping strategies from that um I I also love yoga I think we're quite similar in that way and do mindfulness which I know is so airy fairy to some people and it was to me like a kind of eye rolled every time I heard about mindfulness or meditation <laughs> I was like oh um but yeah like it works for me but also I'm really aware that doesn't work for some people I think uh sometimes a punching bag really works yeah. for me <laughs> or like playing with a dog or cat or it could be anything it could be like playing with younger siblings it could be having a bath it could be like um, gratitude journaling is something we've probably yeah. talked about before 
Um, so it literally can be anything. And you might think, oh, I don't need coping strategies. And But you'll be the people that have them already and they're probably like actually quite tight. Like, so you might be like, I don't need coping strategies. I, I play football with my mates every day. Well, that is a coping strategy or like, or like anything like that or like I'll go on my Xbox or anything like that. That is coping strategies in itself. So just because they aren't named to that, it doesn't mean they aren't that. And I think it's just yeah. important to find what works for you. I think that's why COVID's been difficult because some of those have been taken away, haven't they? Well, lots of them have, you know, even support groups. Like I'm thinking like, you know, like LGBTQ plus groups, they've been taken away because people can't go and meet. Um, yeah, football training or, or whatever it is, they've been taken away. Thankfully, they're starting to come back, um, which is great. But that's that's been that's been really difficult um I think like touching on that as well like thinking about coping strategies there are positive and negative ones aren't there as well you know there are some coping strategies that people maybe are drawn to that aren't so healthy and aren't so positive for us um not not to say that people should be blamed for doing that but but just really thinking about your own strategies and what they are and and thinking you know could I just add one more thing that's going to make me feel really good and and it's positive yeah definitely and I think like my counsellor I know describes it as a toolbox it's like having a toolbox with you all the time and and you need to throw them negative ones out but like you can't just throw them out every night so for example if a coping mechanism is smoking or um a coping mechanism is I go back and I shout at my mum or it could be anything like obviously they aren't the best coping mechanisms any in the world like we aren't here to judge but I think it's just about looking at them and kind of going right what what might I replace that with so actually rather than going back at shouting my mother could I almost write down my shouting in a word document so everything I'd, I want to say to her I'd want to scream this and this and this could I write that down and then could I spend an hour outside playing football with my mates and then come back and go right actually I'm all right with her now or I mean that's just a random example but like we do have good and bad and me and miss yeah. have like have definitely explored some of the bad ones yeah. um and you know that's please don't ever beat yourself up for that because yeah. I think that is just natural and normal but I think we do need to find good ones and I think part of the pandemic has been the idea of isolation like I know I live alone and the kind of loneliness and isolation of the pandemic has really hit home for people I think just not being able to connect in the same way as we were before um, and I think even though stuff is opening back up we, we it's still a very uncertain future so just finding what works for you and just making sure you're kind of utilizing technology and and friendships and communication as much as you can I don't know if you want to start that mess yeah no I, I agree and then obviously if we're thinking from a parent or carer's point of view as well um and, and from a, a, a staff point of view, is that that really old analogy of, of your putting your own oxygen mask on before you help someone else with theirs? And I think I know I know a lot of our parents that I interact with in carers, you know, you do absolutely put your children first, which is, you know, obviously the right thing to do. But also you've got to think about by, if you're going to put them first, you've got to sometimes put yourself first as well. So to look after yourself. Um, and as staff members, definitely. So that's worth thinking about. You know, it's it's not a selfish thing to do to take time for yourself. Um, but I think sometimes when it's a busy day and you've got maybe you've got you know however many children or or however many responsibility responsibilities looking after elderly parents or, or there's, there's lots of different ones. Is that yeah, you do need to put yourself first sometimes in order to be able to help those other people. 
Yeah, I think a quote I heard recently, I really don't know who wrote it, I should look that up, but um, a quote I heard really that, recently that really stuck with me is you can't set yourself on fire to keep others warm. And I think that yeah. just kind of goes back to the point of like, you can't burn yourself out and then expect to still help others. And I know we as staff in schools do that quite a lot. We're like, okay, we'll look after this person, this person, and I've got all these people to manage. And then we might burn ourselves out. I know I've really struggled with burnout recently. And and but it's the same with parents and it's the same with students. You might just yeah. be a, a really good friend to a lot of people. You might have loads of stuff going on in your home life or you can't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm because you, you will burn out and, and that's not it's not a long-term strategy so we just need to find them strategies that make sure we come first first and foremost and that's not like I am the queen like it's all about me <laughs> you might be like that but um, yeah it's just about kind of making sure you're okay and in the right place to help others as well yeah and that's where seeking help and talking really comes in doesn't it and like like well, coming back to what you said at the start going to going to speak to people um it might be that you speak to someone about someone else to get help for them and that's not um you know breaking their trust if you think actually they really need help and I can't give them that help at the moment you know you can say to that person I think I you know let's let's go here together and talk to this person together or or whatever it is but I think the more um the more trusted people you can get to support you the better yeah definitely it's all about trust and it's about who you feel comfortable with like we know a staff like if someone comes to us and says I'm worried about friend like we will deal with that like really kind of subtly and and we will try and like anonymize it as much as possible and obviously we have to we have a responsibility to safeguard you and keep yourself you safe always but we also are there for you and we will we want to keep you safe as possible that's why safeguarding is in place and and you know we've got probably nearly 100 staff in the building I don't know that's kind yeah. of um, so there's so many staff that you can go to so please don't think oh I don't get on with them so I'm not going to tell anyone like because it's not about that just find yeah. someone you can trust or a parent or carer or friend or relative as long as you can find someone and um, have that conversation with or as we said a professional or someone anonymous and um, but yeah it's just about finding them coping strategies yeah everyone in our school every member of staff has had training to be able to support our students you know that that whoever that is in there if they're in the building they're working there they are equipped to support you um so it might be that you really connect when you you know you go to get your dinner in the canteen with um with someone in the canteen that you know you want to talk to them go for it you can you can absolutely you can talk to anyone yeah um, we all have that training just adding to that like i when i first joined the school like i really didn't <laughs> didn't know what i was doing or what was going on um and Elaine, one of the cleaners on, on my floor, oh, yeah, has been incredible yeah. support. And um, hello, Elaine, if you're listening. Um, and she's been she was incredible when I first started. And I just don't think I'd still be be teaching a birth bath with her. So, like, just it, it could be anyone. Yeah. So please utilize everyone you have. So one of the ideas behind this podcast is to reduce the stigma around mental health. Um, meaning we want to talk openly about it and not have it like a a hidden secret or something that we don't mention because that that makes things a lot worse, particularly mental health um, conditions. So in in my own experience, so this is Mrs. Arundel talking now, um, in my own experience, probably for like the past, I would say, 10 years, um, I've had... um, 
uh, yeah, I, I suppose about 10 years ago, yeah, I had, a, I had an incident in my life which was really difficult. Um, it was my mum passing away and, and bereavement can often be uh, a trigger for things, can't it? Especially if you don't um, have the, the coping mechanisms or the strategies or the ways to, to work through grief, perhaps. Um, and I definitely didn't. I just kept myself really busy um, for about nine months and was so busy that I didn't have time to sit and grieve and think about it because that was my coping mechanism, which which was okay for nine months and then, then wasn't particularly okay after that. So I found myself having really delayed grief and um, ending up feeling really low, really low mood and thinking, okay, I need to get some help. Went to the doctor's. And they said, yeah, well, you, if you go to the doctors to talk about your mental health, they get you to do a questionnaire um, and they get you to rate different things about how you've been feeling in the previous two weeks, I think it is. Um, and they give you a score at the end of it and then they sort of talk to you a bit and say, um, I, well, I, I, they said, actually, I think, you know, you've got depression, you're having, you have depression at the moment. And so there was different things that you could do, the different things offered to me. Um, one of the things was counselling through the doctors, which there was a, I think it was over a year waiting list for, um, which I think I hope it's improved now, but I'm not I'm not sure it has improved dr- dramatically. Um, but what I I chose to do was to have counselling uh, privately, so I, I I paid for it myself because I knew it was a, a big thing. I I didn't be I was in, off work for a, a little bit of time, and some of it was over the the school holidays as well. Um, and I found that counselling really really great. Um, but what what I have found is that has made me really emotionally aware. I wasn't emotionally aware before, so I was oversensitive. So I went from from not being able to cry very much, or just would just cry on my own, to being like crying at you know a cartoon, a Disney cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, it opened a lot up for me. Um, but yeah, so I'd, I'd say in the last in the last ten years, on and off, I've had different. I don't know if episodes is the right word, but you say episodes or different periods where I've found things really difficult. And in that time, I've had two children as well. And so since having um, my latest child, Archie, um, I found that um, I was really worried about postnatal depression, actually, because if you've had depression before, it can it can trigger more more easily. And I think maybe that did happen for me. Um, So about a year, just over a year after having Archie, just before I came back to work at Firth Park. School were fantastic, by the way, uh, um, supporting me through my maternity leave. Um, I was feeling really low and feeling, um, yeah, just struggling, I think. So I went back to the doctors because that was, it helped before. And so since then, I have been, I've been taking a medication for, it started off as for depression. And then most, more recently, I changed it to just from having some more anxiety. Um, so the way anxiety affects me, um, but at some point, probably every day at some point, I'll feel anxious. And anxi- anxiety is a good thing in at certain times, whether, you know, you might be just about to do an exam or go on a roller coaster or tell someone you fancy them or something, <laughs> and you get that anxious feeling. Um, but for me, it, it wasn't, it's not, it's not down to any particular thing that's happening. It's just random. Like, I'll, I'll feel anxious and I feel like I can't quite catch my breath or... Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's how I'm, I've been at the moment. And I think a lot of people have had similar experiences. Um, but for me, I manage that um, with these coping strategies we talked about earlier. 
and I'm quite emotionally aware and I can recognize when I need to take some time for myself or slow down or rest, recuperate, relax or go for a bike ride, which is what I really like doing or go for a run. Um, so that's, that's what I, that's what I do. And that's how I cope. So for me, I, you know, you know, you may see me in school and I might be smiling and some, you know, most of the time I am positive and it's a, it's a real smile. And then other times I might inside just be thinking, oh, yeah, I'm really anxious today. <laughs> um, but it's just, for me, it's part of life. It's just part of who I am, I think. And I think on some levels, I feel like I'm always going to feel like this, but I manage it and it's okay. And it's just normal now for me. Um, hi, so it's Miss Tompkins here. So yeah, um, on the back of that, I just wanted to share like my own experience. Um, I think, a bit like Mr. Rundle, I've really struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, I grew up in quite a chaotic um, background, I'd say. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of violence um, and just issues, um, particularly around my mother. My mother's got bipolar disorder, um, so it meant a lot of visiting her in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Um, and just just instability really and um, the stable kind of influence on my life was my grandma my nan and um, unfortunately I lost her seven years ago now or eight years ago um, and I think a bit like Miss Randall when I lost her my world kind of felt like it collapsed a bit I, I guess that's how I describe it it felt like the ground wasn't really solid anymore and I'm sure for those of you that have been through grief you can probably hopefully resonate with that or hopefully not um yeah and I just started I remember I had this great job in as a university schools and colleges ambassador at the time because I was in uni and and I remember just having panic attacks and not knowing what was happening to my body and just always kind of having this heightened level of fear and and not really understanding what was going on and I kind of wouldn't say words like dead or died or even now I really struggle with words like dead or died or gone and and just just that idea of grief kind of hit me a bit like a bus um, and then also on top of that I still have the relationship with my mum which has always been difficult and always will be difficult because of her illness and um, I think in more recent times especially during the pandemic it was the first time I've kind of had to live alone well not had to obviously that was part of my choice but um, I think all my coping strategies like every weekend I used to go to friends houses or meet up with people and I'd always be doing something social and when the pandemic hit and that wasn't wasn't an opportunity anymore I think I just realized I had to sit with all my own kind of feelings and emotions and it really hit me and I felt like someone had kind of put the on trigger on my anxiety and it got to the point where I was sick daily sometimes multiple times a day and the doctor tried to give me some medication to help that and I had a really bad reaction to that and I did again like Miss Randall I went and, and suck out some private counseling I'd had counseling before when my grandma died but um, I did it privately and, and that's really helped um, but yeah with that there's up and downs I think it's not always like a linear journey and um, maths teacher with linear <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and I think for me as well it's it's always something I'm gonna have to live with it's always something anxiety particularly I think this is the first time I've kind of hit really hard with depression but um, anxiety in particular is something that comes on and off and it's always been something that I've kind of managed when and as I can and this is the first time kind of in the pandemic where it's been constantly on and it got to the point where I kind of wasn't sleeping and was constantly being sick and having panic attacks and I just wasn't really me anymore I just didn't feel like me I felt really really low and that kind of led to the depression and then um, 
just struggle with everything really so I think for those of you sat thinking like oh everyone else has been finding the pandemic and I haven't like I really haven't and I've had to take some time off work for that and but yeah I think the message is it, it will get better and it does get better and there'll be low parts and high parts but at the end of the day like there is so much support around you like I can't believe the amount of support I've got from colleagues and friends and and everyone really and and just kind of speaking up and saying like I'm struggling and not everyone's going to respond to that but those who do are the people you need in your life and I think it was the first time like I ever kind of said it out loud and it felt really like really scary and I think for me being from a background where my mum has this kind of illness that means she goes to psychiatric hospital and stuff like that in my head I was like oh what if I like what if I end up in psychiatric hospital or something but it's not like that like everyone has like there is a spectrum and that spectrum is far reaching and loads of people suffer from anxiety and depression so I don't think it's one of them things I think Hollywood kind of sell it as like as soon as you feel anything bad in your head you'll be put in a straight jacket and marched yeah. up by men with white coats on and like that is so not the case um, and I think it's just about being honest about it and as we said finding coping strategies and don't be afraid to change them like I've had to change all of mine like me and my counsellor joke sometimes that my favourite strategy was to get on a plane and fly somewhere and like obviously there's been a pandemic so I couldn't fly anywhere um, and my dad lives in France so I couldn't even see him, I haven't seen him for two years so I think for me um, yeah it was just about kind of reworking and redoing them coping strategies and and kind of re-understanding myself and kind of self-observation, which sounds like hippy-trippy stuff, <laughs> like kind of re-understanding who I was, what I wanted, how I felt, why I felt that way. And as Mr. Rundle said, sometimes anxiety comes from nowhere. Sometimes I'll be sat on the sofa watching my favourite programme and my heart will start racing and my breath will catch. And I think, where has this come from? Mm. But it, it, can, it is just a scientific imbalance. So I think if you think of it that way and it's, your amygdala am I right in saying that thing so. and um, it's a fight or flight response so in your yeah. amygdala and it's just kind of overpowering so if you're a bit of a science geek um, that might help you to understand it that way um but yeah and there's so much help out there I think podcasts are something that me and you yeah we do um, <laughs> like love hence why we're doing the yeah. podcast and <laughs> um, we listen to so many podcasts don't we and always share them yeah and um, and like programs and just like different articles and tips and stuff like that we're like we're always sharing stuff we all during lockdown when the schools were mostly closed we did um mindfulness meditation so a number of other staff joined in yeah it was, and, good. It was really good yeah and it was really lovely just to see see everyone's face in the morning at seven forty-five. do 10 minutes of breathing and it, you feel really weird at first but I think it just really helped us didn't it um but yeah I just think find what works for you really so to finish we have a we have a final question so miss Tompkins what would you say to your younger self if you were to speak to her now and um, I think a big one for me is just stop comparing yourself to anyone I think that comparison is the thief of joy I love a quote um, <laughs> and it, it really is because you have no idea what's going on in anyone's life social media if you ever look at that is just a snapshot of highlights and I just think you never know or even if someone is like walk around school I mean me and Miss Rundle I'm sure sometimes like walk around school with smiles on our faces and we're kind of inside we're going ah like wanting to scream into a pillow and, and I'm sure a lot of you do the same so and um, I think stop comparing yourself 
you I think we're all like icebergs like you never know what's going on underneath the surface um so yeah stop stop assuming that you know anything about anyone's life and and just make sure you're being honest I think honesty for me has been a massive one I've had to learn like I'm 30 now and I've had to learn that at 30 years of age like just be honest you can actually say how you feel or what you mean like you don't actually have to fake it (laughs) and is a really big one for me how about you miss what would you say to your younger self yeah I think for me a lot of my when I when I think back to my childhood like I had a really um really lovely childhood um really supportive parents I just never felt I could ask them things I think I kept my worries to myself um even like even things about even talking about when like my guinea pig and when it died like I think I had this thing about you know about not asking questions and things and um I think yeah ask questions don't keep things to yourself or even just share your worries you know and they might be you might need some help on how to do that which is what you can ask your staff at school for if that's how you feel but just don't keep things to, to yourself I think I would have been a lot um more complacent as a young person if I'd have asked questions yeah definitely yeah. And, and not to scare you all but like as adults I think mm. you kind of really come to terms with the fact that like oh god like me doing all that kind of hiding and, and bottling up when I was younger has actually really affected me yeah. it had an impact now as an adult and I think just if you can do that now as a young person for the students listening like that's incredible like if you can find the emotional language to talk to people and be honest with people and like sometimes I'm in the classroom and kids blow me away like and like I had a conversation the other day I won't say who is like with one of the students in our school and the way he described and expressed his mental health I thought god I wish I was like you at my at your age like you are incredible and I I really wish we had more of you and more of that kind of empathetic and honest and open language around uh, emotional and and mental health so yeah please be honest please say what you mean yeah definitely and just thinking about what you said as well being I think for me it comes down to like kindness as well like being kind to yourself being kind to other people like you said not knowing what what everyone's going through and just having that that okay I'm just gonna be kind to myself and others yeah yeah and like when I was at school I know there was like you kind of you really do judge people at face value a lot of the time I think it is a teenager kind of a student thing but like you never know and like there's things I found out as an adult now about some of the kids I went to school with and I was like oh my god like I really wish like I never treated anyone badly I like to think but like yeah I really wish I'd kind of checked up on them more or kind of checked in more because you just have no idea and and yeah so yeah I think kindness honesty and just making sure you're looking after each other like you each other is the best support network you're ever going to have like in school you've got your mates and you've got your like and even on like xbox forums or social media you've got friends that you can connect with please talk and speak and and check in with each other yeah and i suppose just before we finish and we come back to our the title of our podcast is the first park positivity podcast and you know we could probably talk a lot about positivity and and the we want to be, want it to be uh, honest positivity you know not just being positive for the sake of it sometimes we do have to be realists and we have to go actually this situation is not very good <laughs> and accept it but if we can look on the um the positive side of things and try to see the best in everything as much as we can I think that will also go a long way to helping us 
Yeah, and I think there's so much to be grateful for. Like, yeah. and I think even like I, I have, as I've said, have been like really struggling recently. But I'm so grateful I had that because I think it's made me kind of realise so many things about myself and other people and my relationships and how I deal with things. And I think there is so much positive to be gained, even out of the pandemic. And it's been horrendous. People have lost loved ones and we've all had to isolate for a year. But I think there's so many positive things like nature is back on course and climate change. And and like there's been so many amazing things. And hopefully we're all a bit more understanding and, and kinder to each other. I think kindness is just the way forward. Definitely. So thank you very much, Miss Tompkins, for doing the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Miss, for joining us. And we really hope you got something from this. Even if one person feels better from listening to this or feels like someone understands them, or if one person just thinks, oh my God, like I had no idea other people felt like that way, that way, then we feel like we've done our job. And yeah. um, more than one, obviously, would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we're going to signpost um, in the bio some different um, organisations that you can reach out to. Obviously, you've got your um, staff at school, your parents and carers, but we're going to also signpost some different organisations that you might want to reach out to based on some of the things that we've talked about today. And some of the things might have triggered some different emotions in you, and we obviously want to make sure that you feel fully supported. So have a look at those in the bio if you'd like. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Hi, so we just want to shout out Mr Barlow at Phillips High School um, for, well, like most ideas in teaching, <laughs> you borrow, they're, they're borrowed from someone else. So the podcast we've done today, um, we heard about by Mr Barlow at Phillips High School doing this. Um, so we wanted to, to try it out ourselves because it had a real positive impact in their, their community. So we hope it does do so. Thank you very much, Mr Barlow and Phillips High School.